Hello and welcome to Spotlight, the Star Trek podcast for people who aren't Trekkies, although Trekkies can listen as well. Uh, and then, yeah, we're not banning. Star yeah, yeah, Trekkies, you're, you're not like, banned. You can listen and then write in <laughs> abuse on Twitter, but make sure it's all directed towards my co-host, Matt Brothers. Hello. And also my other co-host, don't direct any Twitter hate towards him though, because I'm yeah, he's a friend. He's yeah. a friend to the Trekkies here, Paul Wilson. That's right, I've been you know, advocating Trek, you know, but you know, putting myself in harm's way for my whole life. I've <laughs> 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 been on the, the cusp of yeah. the jock on, bullies in the On the cusp of Trekkiehood all yeah. this time. Exactly. Well, we were committing. talking. Me and Matt go back a long way to 1997, yeah. secondary school, all the way through. And uh, yeah, this was a time, as we said today, yesterday, uh, where you know Star Trek was a dirty word. Yeah, geek culture wasn't the same as yeah. it is today. And uh, just even admitting, even if you weren't a Trekkie, but you said you liked Star Trek back then, would be enough to social at suicide. our school social to suicide. Get you a beating. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, the idea of Spotlight is is we are on a 13 film mission uh, to basically review all of the Trek movies uh, from Star Trek The Motion Picture right up to the latest Star Trek Beyond Um, incidentally we are seeing tonight we are seeing tonight indeed but we're not here to talk about Star Trek. We're not Beyond. going beyond just yet. We're not here. We're not here to talk about Star Trek 3. We're here to it, talk about Star Trek 3. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're here to talk about the real Star Trek 3. There is no comparison to <laughs> The Search for Spock. Uh, 1984's directorial mm. debut for Leonard Nimoy, otherwise known as Spock himself. Uh, is that why they can't find him? Because he's behind the camera. <laughs> he's busy directing. <laughs> Where but, is but yeah we're going to be talking about every film uh, an individual episode for each one Uh, we've already done the motion picture and Wrath of Khan Uh, so far Wrath of Khan is leading the way for the Star Trek films as far as we're concerned so let's see how Search Spock measures up in the first podcast you may remember we were drinking a lovely bottle of wine. I think it was a good year, 2015. Um, unfortunately, we well, we've actually been put off wine since that wine. Was yeah, that exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the end of drinking. We we haven't for the last two podcasts, even though we did intend to, uh, because you know we've recorded. Unfortunately, this podcast and the last one in the afternoon rather than the evening. And we didn't want to become alcoholics as afternoon <laughs> drinkers. Film so really made me become that. Oh, anyway. well, more on that later. But <laughs> as always, anyone who wants to send us a nice bottle of Mirage, <laughs> feel free. Right, first things first, Matt Brothers, the Star Trek novice, give us your thoughts on Search the Spock. Initial thoughts, please. Initial thoughts. Uh, I did not like this movie. I thought. <laughs> I thought it was a complete waste of time. Waste yeah. of time? <laughs> you you yeah. do realise you're talking about a film directed by a man who is now dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, you may as well be spitting on the grave not of even, Leonard yeah, Not even death. Not even in a kind of like, you know, post Nimoy passing away sort of. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're the, like, this has tarnished his memory forever. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! No, I just did so not stop think, it. Full, pull it back. I, I think uh, partly coming off the high of Khan is always a hard act to follow, um, mm, mm. and I don't know what the consensus is between uh, Trekkies or non-Trekkies alike when it comes to the first movie and this. 
I honestly, even, even prefer the motion picture, I think. I just, yeah. There not, is no comparison. There is no comparison, and I do not think this holds up. Okay, well, uh, if it ever did, let's let's get into it. Let's get into the status of Spock. Yeah, yeah, well, I think recap the end of Trek Two. We have Spock is dead, and this film begins with a recap, like with some washed out footage from the yeah. first film, which is quite a taste yeah. way. Of, if I'm having to recap it, it kind of brings it in in a different way. Um, but it yeah. is about three minutes in, or maybe four, before you even get any, yes. any new footage for well, in yeah, this because film. there's credits as well, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. which is kind of just going through clouds and stuff. And actually, I did read a comment from Harv Bennett, who wrote the script, mm-hmm. um, and he was trying to work out a way of starting the film and filling in the audience on what happened, mm-hmm. because obviously... It became this kind of thing where this and Khan, well, well essentially yeah. even Voyage Home as well, a kind of like a trilogy of connected. Yeah, films. they are a trilogy, and it's the first time you've got like it's a cliffhanger essentially. Isn't yes. it? you know this isn't a kind of often a new adventure. This is we can't ignore what's just happened. It's been such a big thing happened yeah. to the crew. Yeah, what would be it being a genuine sequel, a proper continuation. Yeah, what yeah. I what I find you know difficult though in the first one is like they don't mention Khan. They there's battle damage. They don't say his name. I feel like he's done so much in that last film maybe it's just they didn't want to invite comparisons but yeah it's weird how they don't mention by name I mean uh, yeah basically what Half Bennett said was that he put his TV producer hat on and in the end just couldn't work out a good way of explaining it so just did it previously yeah which is what it is I mean when I first started watching it and you're literally like you say getting quite a long recap to the end of the last film I thought what is this a Rocky movie like you know where you get to see like the last couple of scenes from the last film at the beginning like you know it it does feel like a sluggish way it's a drag we just watched two as well I think that's you know have to watch the the funeral again yeah Um, but I just want to kind of mention which we didn't touch on like you know James Horner's wonderful score um, Yes. which you get to hear again it's reprised here and I think he you know, developed Spock's theme quite nicely as well mm. in this picture mm. um, yeah he only did the two um, but yeah following Jerry Osborne is a very hard act to follow and uh, he equips himself very well the, 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 the theme is kind of very nautical quite soaring kind of theme that it's, it's, it's one that kind of they really bought into that kind of hornblower sort of aspect of it but yeah I, I think the action sequences in this you know where Matt might feel a bit ponderous but it's I think the score say, bring, saves this film on a number of occasions. I think does great work in this and Khan. I know that uh, for Search the Spot they reused a lot of his Khan score. Yeah. Um, however, there's definitely new it's stuff. It's the well. of, of the original. Yeah, it's not like it's just attracted uh, okay. from the first film. Mm-hmm. It's, he's, he's just adapted it slightly. It's, I think it's great work. Yeah. I, I really yeah. think he kind of totally uh, lives up to the kind of, you know, the amazing kind of standard that had been set for the first film. And I, I think it's really good, adds the operatic feel of the film. It's, it's funny, I'll, I'll get into it more later, but I think the most more memorable thing that, well, that stood out to me on this was the complete lack of score in key moments. So I, I came out of it noticing hmm. the, the strange dullness of all these scenes compared to what I did here with the with the score like the yeah. fight scenes just in silence most of the time yeah no you're right the, 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 yeah the, sh- the showdown is in silent uh, I think the bit where um, Kirk's finds that his son's killed yeah is so they're probably the only moments but, that are in there but they've been yeah, they're, they're they're big, big, big really moments they're at me I was thinking yeah but I think with, like with, 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 with David is dead scene that is like a good place to have no yeah, score yeah same I think so but it didn't have the impact of 
a typical movie scene where the score's out for great effect, it just felt really dead, as if like they had literally just cut mm. stuff out. Like mm. you, you do realise you're talking about the moment that William Shatner believes to be his greatest piece of acting ever. Oh, I didn't say it diminishes from him. In that scene. Just and I feel off. he carries that moment when his son dies. And it's one of those difficult moments where, yes, they've never really built up the relationship between mm. the father and son enough. But it's almost like, he said in the last film, it was like the life I could have had. And he yes. had a glimpse of like getting that life back and then it's been snatched away from him again. Um, yeah, 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 and the the moment, admittedly, I think the moment where he actually is killed is done a bit scrappily. It's not particularly well, but it's, it's brutal. Moment. I think it, I, I think the, the stabbing hit me when I was a kid as well, like with that bit where he's behind a bush and you just get that plunge, mm, mm. and he's kind of the when his breath goes out, like you know, it's quite a, a nasty, like scrappy thing. He has really no chance yeah. as well. He just doesn't want. Uh, Savage to get killed. Yes, it's yeah. a brave like thing, and uh, because can't... he's already been beaten by the Klingons, isn't yes. he? Like, really easy. They call him a weakling human, so he really <laughs> yeah. doesn't stand much chance. That's the insult to him. Kicking uh, him while he's down. Yeah, stabbing him while he's down. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, it's a nasty kind of like brutal death. I think. Mm. Yeah, I, I do think Shatner's performance is very strong there as well. Mm. His reaction to yeah. his death, uh, I think, it's very sad. And um, mm. you know, like you say, maybe it's yeah, it's that losing what he never had of kind of mm. you know the relationship he could have had with his yeah. son well that's that's all quite jumping on a bit isn't it yeah that's, it's getting back you know, yes that's very yeah, true that's, yeah. so, we, so we basically had to recap yeah, to part two and so you, what are you thinking then Matt like, well yeah I was actually like you know I really love this kind of new reflective Kirk like at the beginning especially he feels like he's a genuinely changed guy through the events of Khan so that's showing real kind of character development and stuff which is really good um Savick's been recast since you yes. guys. Yes, uh, Kirsty Alley did not want to be typecast, oh. so refused mm. to return uh, for Search of Spock. Um, that didn't stop her from being a regular in Cheers for many years. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but yeah. yeah, but she she's refused that as well. She's come back and said, oh, really? like, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's one of those things, retrospectively, she's probably rewritten history to say, oh, maybe should have done it I wish he'd carried on really because yeah it's a bit it's a bit odd it's almost to the point of did they really need to have her in it mm. in the sense of was there any real reason to recast her I mean because she was a new character for Rafa Khan wasn't yeah, she yeah so it was like why is she important enough to even bring it, back I think recast? it's the thing but she was becoming a really good character and if you had like Kirstie Alley back you, it would make sense to keep her in but because she's inexplicably reassigned to another ship as well there's no reason why she should be on a science mission it's just mm. but, but I suppose it's because they had to keep it as in-house as possible like this Genesis planet she's one of the people who knew about it because she was there um, well it's also the connections to Khan isn't it because I've got to say right from the start one thing I must say is this felt much more like the next episode in a TV series rather than the next film in a series like because you really feel like each film mm. should stand alone where mm. this seemed to be going back well like the writer Harv Bennett he came from TV and he he was saying like you know maybe he had his TV producer hat on in terms of just making this kind yeah. of you know the next it's just wrapping up a plot line from a previous thing it's not its own thing at all really. yeah I mean I must admit I think that is the key flaw of the movie is the fact that basically the entire reason for the film's existence 
is to bring Spawn back from the dead. Which yeah. was just one small facet of all the stuff going on in Khan. Yeah. yeah. So Yeah. And it, Well I think this film, you know, feels underwritten. It also just like has um it finishes it's quite a short film. There's four minutes before say, you get any new footage, but then you have um the battle, the Klingon you Commanders vanquish, and there's still 20 minutes left of nothing happening, you know, with the ritual. Yeah, just, yeah. That's, it's just like the, film, the the dramatic ending, like, happened ages ago, and, you know, the Enterprise blows up about the hour mark as well. It just, it feels kind of rushed, doesn't seem yeah. to have any kind the of... The kind of comparison I pa- felt while watching it was, mm-hmm. it felt like the Quantum of Solace to Rafa Khan's Casino Royale. Great. Uh, where that's kind of very yeah. much like, almost like a third act from the previous thing, pushed back on its own expanded slightly but it's only kind of got one thing about it it's all about that wrapping up stuff yeah I think you know, in what, order to then move on it's not it's done. a great film but it has enough kind of character moments for me and um, you know and some quite good action yeah. like this stuff I like yeah no I think we'll, we'll get to that actually. Yeah. but yeah from the beginning I've, I think you know Kirk kind of puts down that cadet who's asking is there going to be a party when they get home like oh yes a party yes but we paid for it with our dearest blood it's like I was just asking for some party mate <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what's dead don't you remember yeah, yeah. just what's asking that? where the party at yeah <laughs> but he also is like you know this whole crew seems to be on the verge of a nervous breakdown concerning Mr Spock it's like we didn't see anything um, it's, but when they get the security breach and he goes to find he goes and finds McCoy in the mm. thing this is before he sees McCoy is mad but like, it's like this whole crew is on, on the edge it's like there's, there's no scene there to explain it apparently the novelization has a bit where they have a wake and that people act strangely at that and then when Kirk goes in the elevator there mm. there was a shot scene with McCoy acting kind of crazy then and just so it's like bits and bit lifted out and then it kind of doesn't really follow yeah see it feels such a huge waste of McCoy like I've been really enjoying him in the last few films and now he's just like possessed the whole time basically I was like what kind of bullshit I, is this yeah well he does get like a great bit where he is talking to Spock in the Cling on Better Prey towards the end, like yeah. just before the the actual ritual, where he's saying, "I don't think I can lose you again." He's hanging around it's, as like a carrier really for, uh, for Spock's like consciousness, just, yeah. just like being oh, the caretaker of it. Yeah, but the I, there's like there's bits where you know he where they break him out of jail, out of the mental mm-hmm. hospital, and it's quite funny. Where so you take me to the promised land? Or, yeah. Yeah. I must say, really disagree about the DeForest Kelly thing. Mm. I actually think Kelly gives a great performance in this movie. I think his Spock impression essentially oh, is spot on. Like because, like you say, he is possessed for most of the film, mm. and I think he really does that well of kind of going between McCoy and yeah. being kind of possessed. Spot and the way he mm. literally like does that impression, sort of really follows oh, his yeah, yeah. kind of vocal speech patterns. Kind of yeah. patterns are yeah, really you believe good. that it's like I've got that across. Yeah, with him. and uh, the, that's the, really the bit where Kirk finds him in. Uh, Spock's room. room is really good yeah kind of in that's spooky and also there's a very funny moment where he tries to do the Vulcan death grab oh, yeah. on someone and it yeah. fails <laughs> and it's like epic fouls just on the coin his hand like yeah, yeah no, that's nice really one. funny I, I think he's really yeah. good yeah. I mean I could have dealt with that if it was like say at the beginning first act kind of stuff yeah right. but it's I mean, also timelines yeah timelines as well like they're on their way back they're limping home but all the trainee crews been reassigned already to other ships. We've already got Savic and David are on another already another vessel. It's like I don't buy that all this stuff's happened so quickly when they have even got back to her. Well, yeah, because how long is meant to be between uh, Khan and this? Because they haven't even when they 
dock again, all the damage is still there. Yeah, they've, pa- so so they've, they've patched up in space, I think, haven't they? They've kind of refitted. Yeah. yeah. They've kind of had a you know semi refit there. But like, there's not been another mission, I think. It's literally no, it's been. pretty much straight on, isn't and, it? And, you know, in the first one, it only took two days to get to where they were. Mm. Yet, why would they reassign half the crew? It, yeah, things like that. I don't like when Trek kind of breaks down its own. Uh, Continuity. It definitely seems like cons just happened. Really, it seems like a direct continuation. Yeah, it feels like um, literally like they've just gotten away. Yeah, they're yeah. Still waiting, <laughs> disarray. You know, uniform wise and debris and stuff. It's really following the kind of next episode chat. But yeah, I mean, basically, let's talk about this film's reason for being. And I think this is the kind of thing that brings it down um, in general. Is the fact that. We're talking about a film that's wholly created just for bringing this character back from the dead. And the whole thing is now, in retrospect, a bit weird because obviously, Leonard Nimoy said, I'll only do Khan if you kill me off. They killed him off. Then, obviously, it was shown at test screenings, their negative reaction to him being killed off. So they reshot some endings to make it, to give them an option of not killing him. Also, by the time um, Leonard Nimoy saw Khan, he was suddenly re-energised about kind of being Spock again. Also, you know, you can't help but think that the offer of directing the film... Um, you got yourself into this mess. Yeah, exactly. Make the film. Well, no, I mean, this was his directorial feature debut. He yeah. directed TV movies and TV episodes before this, but that must have been... I think that was probably something he really wanted to do because he mm-hmm. went on to have reasonably healthy film directing career he directed the next Star Trek film also directed and I didn't realise this until I looked into it Three Men and a Baby yeah uh, which yeah, he had three hits with Paramount yeah. and then he had one mistake or something like that one film didn't work and right. then he just like then he never got another work job again right which shows how quickly it can turn doesn't it yeah well certainly in those days and that's a real shame as well because uh, I mean movie jail I, I <laughs> yeah. do I do like this film and I Voyage Home we'll talk about next week but I definitely got positive thoughts on it from my memory and Three Men and Babies are really fun kind of uh, comedy as well I've never seen it never okay. seen have you not no, no. I would recommend it <laughs> mate Ted Danson Steve Gutenberg and Tom Selleck and a baby now if that cast doesn't sell you I don't know what this is probably the perfect uh, one for Nimoy to direct like you say it's all about him yeah it's true Uh, because he's not actually in it that much as an actor must have been quite an ego trip just like mourn me mourn me harder (laughs) I think um yeah, once we kind of like introduce the Klingons, like we finally get to see them, you know, have, you know, a bit more on-screen action where they actually are destroying things and generally being up to no good. What did you think of? Uh, the the, uh, I don't know. Like, I love Christopher Lloyd, but I just I was like, it's just Christopher Lloyd in Klingon makeup. He just sounds exactly the same. He just is exactly the same. Like he's really kind of uh, sinister and bits where he's barking out um, Klingon stuff's really good. But the whole time I was just like, oh, it's just. Oh, it's just Doc, like shouting out stuff. Okay, and yeah, no, I think um, yeah, there are occasions where like Doc sits through, and he does deliver the Klingon yeah. dialogue. Not quite even well. Doc, just yeah. just Christopher Lloyd's voice is very Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, I, I think it's funny actually because I haven't seen this film in a long time. Uh, Search for Spock is one I definitely saw quite a few times when I was young, um, but. <laughs> I remember you telling me that Christopher Lloyd played the Klingon <laughs> captain um, back in the day. 
and being like, what? No. And then when I watched it again, I was like, how did I not know as a kid? This is Christopher Lloyd. He looks like him. I mean, his voice is so distinctive. But I really like him. In the role, I really like him. I think he's a treat. I think he's quite quite funny. Uh, You know, he's killing his crew, like, one by one, who just screw up. uh, But yeah, it uh, it flits between Klingon and English dialogue. It doesn't make sense some of the time. It just... Um, the the reason why they're speaking English sometimes doesn't make yeah dramatic, I agree. dramatic That's sense. True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, Although and I prefer switch... it when they are, yeah, because I can't speak Klingon. <laughs> well, you can read the subtitles. Let's yeah. assume they were on this time. It's, it's, it's too too hard. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm going for the authentic Klingon version where you just cannot understand any of it. Yeah, I'm looking it up in the dictionary as I go. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I really liked Lloyd in it. I think he manages to walk a fine line between kind of having fun with the yeah. role in the sense that they're a little bit tongue in cheek the Klingons in this yeah. one and being a genuine threat because obviously yeah. despite them being a bit funny he's got his like he's got a weird yeah, pet thing he's got that weird dog thing yeah he's yeah. got that weird alien yeah. pet yeah. which yeah. is great yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah they're kind of they're kind of funny, but they've got great ship design this is the yes. first time we see the Klingon bird of prey wonderful effects from mm-hmm. LM to mm-hmm. bring that model to life um, it's, it's kind of you know they they try and paint them as zealots at the beginning where he kills essentially I think you know you probably think his girlfriend or some you know uh, who's seen the tape because he's trying to protect the secret mm. and she's happy to die for him and to keep you know his chance of being a successful warlord intact um did, did you get that did you get that bit because she transmits the, the tape over to him and he's like and yeah, she's oh was, you're fine oh she no I don't she's Klingon and uh, yeah she's kind of I don't know how with the holding. unfortunate costume yeah terrible I was like this has suddenly gone very just campy so yeah I mean, that, well, that, that, that whole yeah. set that, freight, that, that freighter is terribly yeah. dressed and it's got like obviously whoever the extras are don't look great either yeah. like that's um, what I imagine like the show would be like yeah but it, it felt like Khan had such a big step forward to being a genuine movie and then this was yeah. something like yeah, it's it, the show like, on the it doesn't again. take much to like add a little bit of grime and some smoke in the background, but it's just a really badly lit set. Um, and uh, yeah, it does. You don't really get the whole fact they will do anything for this secret. Um, like, it's like, why didn't she allow herself to be blown up? Um, we're going to get paid off soon. It's just strange. You mentioned the models. Uh, obviously, ILM came on to do the effects in this film. Again, but um, they did this too as well. Oh, did they as well? Uh, yeah. But I thought the models in this film looked absolutely mm. amazing. I thought like the, all the effects, like in terms of like the space battles and stuff, all look really top-notch. Yeah, although the poster has more um, um, you know movement in it than the actual battle between the Enterprise and the, uh, the Bird of Prey. You know, they are kind of just shooting each other straight, you know, oh, right, yeah. in, in the film. It's just, you know, it's a, it kind of makes sense narratively that it's quite a short affair because yeah. they, they preempt them and take them out you know, disable the Klingons pretty much. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I really... and it is set up that the Enterprise is like you, you, to run that entire ship with just five people. It, it mm. takes a lot of computer power. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I just thought the effects were so mm. impressive in terms of the models. It just, oh, I just love mm. models when they're really well done. I yeah, think this beautiful, had them in space. Yeah, they were um, in-camera stuff. It's just mm. so much better. Isn't it? So true. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, uh, one thing I must say actually in terms of the kind of TV series approach one good thing in terms of making it this kind of you know multi-part movie is there is some really good character continuity early on 
Um, there's a little moment with Chekhov where he's clearly still feeling out of sorts uh, mm. about what's happened and stuff, and still, still clearly feeling regretful of his part in everything. And he plays it really nicely. Or when he gets asked to take the corner, he just sort of like gets up and. Yes, yes. And then yeah. I think you know. So I think his jubilation at the end when uh, Spock is resurrected comes across very nicely yeah no, I think yeah. that's that's Koenig obviously like he knows his part's not as big this time yes. but does a lot with like the little bits he's given Sulu gets a little bit more to do in terms of yeah. uh, his great old Corby Tiny uh, moment with the um, which uh, guard Takai <laughs> actually complained about that line at the time the um, the guard calling he calls Sulu Tiny um, and Takai wanted that line removed. Really? He genuinely didn't like being called Tiny, but when he saw the film, he relented because he said, I understood that otherwise the moment where I beat him up wouldn't have had as much impact without him giving yeah, me an insult yeah. at first. Yeah, um, it is great. So yeah, it's, and it's completely uncalled for how he was rude to him as well. Just like, you know, just being really kind of chatty with the guard. I mean, he's all, he did plan to beat him up any either way. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you've yeah. given me a really good reason now to free you. I mean, you're not better, but <laughs> I was going to do this anyway. <laughs> yeah. The film was Sulu's Revenge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I liked the scene with um, Kirk and the Admiral where Kirk just sort of, you know, um, tries to get the Enterprise by you know exhaust the UN option uh, and then decides to do it anyway uh, and therefore going anyway is a a nice moment I think when you go to the elevator and they kind of start their little plan I mean I think if this film was made today the plan to steal the Enterprise would be a lot more elaborate there'd be kind of a lot more kind of diversions that kind of thing I mean it's it's done there's things going on obviously her is doing her part but they did have it in the script that she was blocking their communications as well Mm. so she'd be doing more stuff and it's I, actually yeah, very it's easy, slow, isn't it? Yeah, to, it, to it is very easy. I mean, it's quite. It's. I think that's it. It would be more elaborate. I think in in these days, they'd have, probably have to blow their way out of the yeah. space dock. Um, the but, guy with Ahura just seems like an idiot. <laughs> oh, but that, I think that's Ahura's <laughs> really Ahura's best like scene so far, isn't it? Like where she's yes. actually got a chance to be by herself in a scene. And just sort of like um, she's he's getting insulting her, saying she's oh your career's winding down. Yeah, it's down. really funny. It's great, and she's like I'm gonna again. She's those thank goodness you've been rude to me because it's gonna make you know put you yeah. in a closet and threaten you with a gun a lot easier. And there's a really <laughs> odd but great line from her where she says this isn't reality, this is fantasy. Which I just thought was... Never comes right. Because I just thought it was such an odd line. Yeah, I think that so. line doesn't need to be in the film at all. I'm like, this isn't my fantasy at all. <laughs> in the sense of, I don't know. See, there was all this kind of stuff about, she was like, oh, I have them wrapped around my finger and stuff. And like, you know, I was like, what's going on here? Like, yeah, yeah what, well, I think it's just like, it? she's got it contained, I think is what she... It's, it's a <laughs> yeah. weird, yeah, it's a weird line. Uh, but yeah, the, the scene leading up to it, and with the guy... Um, you know, Mr. Adventure, who he's credited at in the Mr. in the credits. Adventure. Oh, what the the, yeah, the guy like, she lots of yeah. He's got some kind of domination fantasy. I don't know. Well, <laughs> but I love it when he's wait his when he sees Admiral. Kirk. My God, it's Admiral Kirk. You really get a sense of like this is a man he looks up to. Like, yeah. But he's like, but it's you know, there's no like orders given. It's really irregular. It's really funny. Like, well, oh, true. Is yeah. this- this is all before or after that stuff in that bar, which I found quite funny, where there's like an 80s Christian Week type lady there, and yeah. that weird Yoda speaking 
like black market dealer guy. Yeah, yeah, it is. Like, yeah. Oh man, this is knock off my size list stuff. It so. is, but it was also meant to be in San Francisco, oh. and I'm like, there's no establishing shot. <laughs> Very cheap. It's just like a really small set that's been badly dressed again. Um, it's interesting to see kind of like you know the um, 3D like biplanes and stuff like that. It is kind of just, but it's a low rent mm. container, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, do you think that's where? Because I I read into kind of like criticisms of this film at the time, and it would appear that you know quite a lot of people were saying oh it's it's too much like Star Wars like the film but I can't exactly. really see much Star Wars in it apart but, from maybe that but it's also like trying to answer that old question it's like Star Trek never shows like elaborate aliens rather it's just makeup it's never showing aliens where they've got they are anything other than humanoid yes you yes. know where Star Wars tries to do that and it's like even in this it's still quite humanoid heavy isn't it but mm. they've got the tribbles a little, little shout out to them yeah it, it doesn't it's not a big enough set. It does feel quite claustrophobic, this film. There's no location shooting apart from like one shot of Vulcan is some steps at university. And I think you feel that. The Genesis is all on sound stages. Um, it never kind of opens up enough, does it? Mm. Yeah, it's funny actually going back to Uhura uh, a minute ago. More uh, wardrobe malfunctions with Michelle Nichols. Like I mentioned in Star Trek The Motion Picture episode, uh, that she was annoyed about their costumes not showing off enough flash. Um, here, apparently, she always insisted on wearing skirts despite the standard female uniform using slacks. And she demanded skirts, which I think they do manage to get her in a pair of slacks they, in this oh, film. Near the end, maybe. Yeah, but she definitely got uh, like in the background. Skirt. Skirt up, like, oh, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know what that's about. But, so. but also, um, the one big new era, the first one comes up. And rougher cars, like suddenly she's got soul glow hair. It's like the shiniest, yeah. like, um, hair in the galaxy. Must well, be the 83. Hair going really grey or something by this point, and they're having to dye it maybe. Yeah, yeah, it's weird because I think, yeah, both five, they, she does like go full grey, and then she yes. goes, then she pulls it back again for six. So, but well, yeah, really? Uhura's hair will go through some many changes, yeah. but she definitely looks more 80, 83, 84 than uh, in the last film. Yeah, no, certainly. Um, <laughs> another thing, actually, regarding costumes, I read that uh, Shatner tried to keep his weight down uh, for this film and dieted before the movie, but slipped during the film, resulting in 12 different uh, Star Trek costumes being made for him. Oh, but yeah, I like his, his, his space jacket, his leather jacket is quite cool. It's like, um, yeah. he's the only one that seems to be coming across, you know, um, as kind of cash. And um, but we've got Chekhov. I think he basically he looks like a pilgrim uh, with this terrible outfit, like it's like this pink pilgrim's outfit from the future. Well, um, yeah, their costumes are all really eighties, aren't they? Even yeah. Though, uh, but yeah, it's but it's his his uh, outfit's so bad when they see the Enterprise that by the time they get to Genesis, he's changed to something else. He's the only one who sort of changes outfit. Um, <laughs> I have to get out of these clothes. So maybe maybe it's like shot in sequence. It's like you can really feel like stealing Enterprise because we're going to shoot that tomorrow then you're going to be next uh, I must say about the stealing of the Enterprise though much as yeah it's probably a bit simplified and stuff like that and yes now oh, probably bigger a more elaborate however I must say I really thought the heist scene was really fun and really rompy I, I felt like especially after the darkness of Khan this felt very much like and like I said I think the thing that Search Spot really gets right is the characters mm. in general and their interactions and there's a real that scene there's togetherness to the crew yeah, and when on the bridge. gang yeah, yeah when on the bridge yeah. and he says you know I can't ask you to go any further because it's only just like we'll just 
be grateful, Adam, if you give the word and, you know, I'm with you all the way. It's nice. And it's like, yeah, it really does feel it. And when, like, McCoy just, they keep him in the dark about what's happening the whole time. And just, just to, like, annoy him by the end, just like, oh, thanks for telling me. It's like, that's what you get for missing staff meetings. Uh, Great bit, too. And for being Spock. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we can't tell you. You're a liability. We're only in this mess because of you. Um, Yeah, the whole, like, escape, yeah, the whole getting the, like, heist in the ship's quite fun. But then the whole escape, it's like, in Austin Powers when he's been about to be run down by the uh, steamroller thing it's just like the slowest kind of here we go space doors yes space doors opening space doors I thought you know or is it gonna, are they going to have to like turn no, to like I, slip through I, I at last minute? I think Star Trek always just like, like no. you know, it has Rever- to, literally reverse it. They have a, a whole thing about, you know, this thrusters, you know, are slow. They're just to position the ship mm-hmm. and then there's there's impulse drive for like going in the solar system and then you only really use warp drive once you kind of get out of it. So they broke their own rule by going to warp right in the right. Earth's atmosphere. Um, but yeah, I think it just kind of like, they needed to bring out the tension a bit more and it gives the chance to, well, because you think the Excelsior has got this amazing warp drive, the trans warp drive which never works and never does in the subsequent episodes either. Um, that, um, that yeah. Excelsior captain, what's that thing? He's got like a... a little baton, yeah, yeah. Like, don't know what that is. But <laughs> but yeah, but weird, he's, a, he's, he's a nicely cast little role because you just, in like two short scenes, he's a smug git. Mm. Like, and there was a subplot of Sulu was meant to be the captain of the Excelsior and even in two, there was a cut scene where he says, you know, this is his last mission before he gets the Excelsior oh, captaincy. Right. And I think the novelization like says that because he was away with the Enterprise and they're late back, it got handed to somebody else. Adding more to the wrath of Sulu. Yeah, wrath of Sulu. Like, yeah. <laughs> what do we think about the way they bring Spock back from the dead in this film? Um, I've got to say I fell asleep during that bit <laughs> no I just like <laughs> the second half of it's, the it's, uh, it's just so indulgent along that bit you know. well no I mean the whole thing because it, it goes through the uh, I mean kind of oh you mean there's like, like, the whole the whole film yeah because kind of lots of different actors playing in this movie I thought that could have been there could have been some great moments there like if they'd actually had any kind of decent interaction with them difficult to see because it's never clear like if Spock's consciousness is kind of semi and McCoy yeah this version of him that's now there how much of it is actually the Spock we know he's kind of just falling apart yeah if it could have just Mm. been him properly it could have had some really nice moments of getting some insight into who Spock is at these different ages as he's rapidly aging and kind of yeah no he's just I think he's just got nothing going on upstairs until it's like brainless yeah I would know it's like uh, the USS Grissom like has the most ineffectual captain of all time who inspires no confidence um, you know the one who's com- trying to be by the book but just slowing everything down is that the one where after they go to warp power he's like warp power on us as well and then it doesn't work oh no 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 Esther, Captain Esteban is the oh, guy right. who's the one who gets blown up by the Klingons oh okay yeah, yeah. with that, that whole thing I thought like if there's one thing that Stanek's kind of known for it's that ships have shields and all of a sudden if you're going to pull out that you can blow up an entire starship with like one hit then yeah did, Why does that never happen ever again? Did they, um... I mean, they didn't, nobody said shields up, though. It's, no, but it's just a thing of it happening. They just need to get rid of them. So one shot blow up, and they kind of... Yeah, it's by a, a lucky shot. ...going like, oh, yeah, it's one in a million shot or something. It's like, right. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, when we talk about kind of destroying ships, I suppose we should get on to the subject of the fact that they destroy the Enterprise. Yeah. Uh, in this film, which is a big that was move. A badass explosion. Uh, yeah, it's looked awesome. And the thing is, what's really funny is, and I'm sure Paul will talk about this in Trailer Watch, uh, <laughs> is that I read that they actually said the one thing they wanted to keep secret 
for the film was the destruction. Well, because you, the yes, space, you don't. Yeah, everybody knows Spock's going to come by by the end, just from the title. Yeah, and so yeah, you've got this massive thing with the Enterprise. Is essentially one of the crew. Is the big death of yeah. the film, isn't it? And it's spoiled in trailer watch. Definitely. Like, uh, yeah. And so <laughs> yeah. we watched it it's to say it's um, a huge fe- feature of the trailer. It's like it climaxes yeah. with that shot, and it's yeah, it's really kind of shoddy trailer for this one. Um, sort of put together. Strange marketing. Yeah, it, it is. It's just very odd indeed that they would give that away after trying to keep it yeah secret. I mean I think Nimoy like laughs about it now because he says you know I really want to keep that under wraps but then it was like death of enterprise was the um, exclaimed the TV spots right. uh, yeah okay um, but I think that that's another kind of good moment for Kirk because it seems yes. like he gets like kind of a, he gets a poker moment in all three of these films so far where you know his son's been killed the ship's got no power um He's up against it, about to be boarded by the Klingons. Is you know the worst adversaries. That he pulls it out. He, yeah, he turns death into a fighting chance to live by mm. blowing up the thing he clearly loves yes. from the first one. We have established that he's in love with this ship, so yeah. he's giving up another part of himself. Yeah, which he, you know, there's no question he could ever get a ship back again. Like I mean, he's that's the thing. He says you'll never sit in the captain's chair again, and this is his final voyage. Yes, exactly. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought that moment was fantastic because. Being that we know how much the ship means to Kirk, mm. I kind of thought they really to pay off that he would actually deliberately destroy the ship. They really had to put him in the right situation. I thought they really did because his son has just died, yeah. um, and like you say, as far as he's aware at that moment, he probably will never be Captain Enterprise again anyway. Um, so it's kind of like yeah this is the moment where he would destroy the ship and kind of you know no turning back Mm. here and that really feels like a big moment really ballsy Um, and you know really shows because even when he's watching from the planet's surface it comes down the best scene in the film he says what have I done yeah so he, he instantly regrets it yeah, pretty much. Like, you know, I mean, it's a huge moment. Yeah, that shot them all watching the wreckage across the sky was really nice. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's the thing. This that film, this film has moments like that in it, which you kind of like. This is this this moment deserved a better film around it. Mm. Um, and I love the um, you know the, the, the when he when you know he gives gives them two minutes for you and your gallant crew, which is quite like a nice thing for the film. But he uses the first minute to just like sit there and think about the death of his son. Like, you know, he has a moment himself, and the crew kind of let him, don't they? Mm. And then he pulls himself together, and then he's like into action mode. Plan makes the plan um, to blow up the Enterprise. And Do you not think he, he, he says that mockingly about the gallant crew, like you and your gallant crew? Ha ha ha! Yeah. I don't know I did, well, if it's, if he did it's bad acting because I never got that or do you think he's given <laughs> genuine respect he's like you're cooked my man <laughs> like, yeah. yeah no I think well he did say you've just killed my son like so perhaps he's just like does he feel bad about that I don't know just uh, yeah it's hard would it well, no, feel what, bad well no, I don't know but like it, he is quick to kill a hostage isn't he and just to yeah. prove you know your young friend's mistaken and prove I'm sincere I will kill one of the hostages and I don't care which yeah, um, yeah. as well and that's just pretty he will so yeah it's a bit weird that he gives him two minutes but it gives Kirk the opportunity to take advantage of that kindness and, <laughs> it's but, like Roth and Khan all over again isn't it it's yeah. just like one more minute Khan yeah 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 and I love the um, he doesn't tell the crew he's going to the ship he just like goes to the thing and says operate destruct sequence and then the others kind of come on board of it you know yeah. and they have to say it's you know, so, 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 when the Klingons kind of come on they're like 
like, oh, what's this? And it's like, if you see giant numbers counting down, it's probably not good. Like, well, they don't hmm. see that. They, they obviously use Klingon like numbers. Yeah, so they yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. They're in numbers, I think. Yeah, yeah. You see anything counting down? Anything? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's kind of yeah. It's ridiculous, but you know, it's the music in that sequence from Horner is amazing. Yeah, the way it's it builds fantastic. Up, like, like um, it really propels that bit along, and it's you know, a pining for the end of the Enterprise. The, uh, there was one thing I referred to back. At, Earlier, I'm reminded because this footage of the Klingons is reused later on in the next film. But when Sarek, played wonderfully by Mark Lennard, who reprises his role as Spock's father from the show, yes. um, comes in, he brings gravitas and sincerity to quite difficult dialogue about like Spock's eternal soul and mm. stuff like that. It could easily kind of like fall apart and other persons delivering it. They luckily he brought along a copy of Star Trek 2. To watch on video cassette, so they could they can the, the flight yeah. recorder is I said, is Kurt just watching a calm VHS here? Where are all those edits? And <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's like everything has to be like um, you know close up uh, of people, <laughs> then it cuts to a wide shot. It's just it's exactly the thing, and it's quite funny. I think at the end of the day, they've got that set, they've got the actors. Why don't they just reshoot it? It's only a year later. They could have redone it from like a bird's eye view yeah, or something. Security camera. Security camera. It, and this is the second time they've done that kind of stuff, isn't it? There was a moment in the motion picture where they did something like that as well, where there was a camera angle. Yeah, impossible. impossible camera angle. Yeah, but this one's actually just film footage, re- <laughs> you know, edited in mm. shot order, um, which kind of takes you out at the moment. Well, it certainly does for me. I thought that was a proper deep cut getting the actor back from the TV show for playing Spot's dad because mm. you don't have to do that at all because mm. like you know who's going to remember apart from like the hardcore fans like going you know we'll get this round of actor back yeah. from the TV show really good um, I think we should talk about the fight uh, because <laughs> yes. the fact is in Rotham Khan we were not given the hand-to-hand combat mm. which we'd come to love from the original series between Kirk and Khan. This time, they make up for it in spades in an epic, bombastic battle between Kirk and Doc Brown. <laughs> it's one of the worst fights I've ever seen. Is it? It's terrible. It's not. It's, it's, like it's a, not one of the worst fights you've ever seen. It just kicks off with like, here we go, giant rock eruption to fling me into the air. From the yeah, that's the amazing. <laughs> Give me yeah. Genesis. That is awesome. Uh, and it has possibly the yeah, I know greatest payoff line of all time <laughs> yeah. with Kirk kicking Christopher Lloyd Klingon in the <laughs> face going I have had enough of you but even that doesn't make any sense he literally goes from like he's full of, <laughs> yeah, like, give me your hand no Right. Yeah, but I also don't know why he offers help. No, I don't. I don't get because his, his father. Him. Yeah, his father. His, his son just got killed. Yeah. By this guy, and it's like and, and he's trying, ship. And trying to kill you. So I, I, yeah, it's nuts why he's offering him a hand, but I do love the payoff, kick him in the face. I think it's just yeah. like it'd be, it'd be even darker if he just got like he's on the edge. It's like I have had enough of you. Maybe uh, they had to, yeah. Maybe they had to chuck the bit with him offering help to because it softens him. It, it softens Kirk a little yeah, bit, doesn't but they it? They rush through it in like literally less than three seconds. But it is so it's, it's Klingon bastard. But Pine, like when he plays 
uh, Kirk later on in the um, in the Leatherworth movie, you know, he says, um, "I'm willing to offer assistance to you, uh, you know, and medical attention, which we are happy to provide." And uh, and he says, "I would rather die a thousand deaths." Than... So it's like, okay, then fine, lock torpedoes on tight. <laughs> like, and it's like, but the explosive spark is like. Um, uh, I thought it was diplomacy, Spock. I thought you'd like that. He's like, not really. He's just like, I want revenge. I want to kill this guy. So yeah. they play on that kind of years later in that that scene there. So it's kind of been, con- you know, in keeping with Kirk through the films, in that he is always offering that olive branch right. out. He's never out and out wants to kill. Because they are meant to be a peace mission, essentially. Aren't yeah, they? I think mission that's a touch of touch of Roddenberry is like, give me your hand. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think my favorite Kirk moment is when that. You know, like Cleon says, "Will you kill me?" He's like, "Yeah," and he, you know, changes his mind. Yeah, I like. It's only before, yeah, when he goes, "Oh, fine, I'll kill you later." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. He's like, he's like, "I lied." I like, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's, I think it's I great. Think, fun. Yeah, yeah. Shatner's there's some fun lines in this film. I think they all do, and particularly that, yeah, Shatner does get some like great classic zingers in this. Yeah, apparently the fight was meant to have more of that kind of the bits of the rock coming up and like and they're having to kind of dodge bits and being catapulted around right. but the effect didn't work only for that shot so that starts the fight but then it kind of if they, if knowing that that explains why it feels quite laboured and, and maybe not as intense as it could be because it's just a plan B and right, they had to maybe right. choreograph on the set so it does turn a bit original series a lot of grappling yes. that kind of thing There's a, and, and then the backflip bit with the obvious stunt double <laughs> you know and then there's the dodgy rock slide bit as well where the rock that Cruise you're standing on just slips away and it just feels like a bit polystyrene there was like scenes yeah. on that planet where they just it seemed to just change from night to day randomly well there's no because well, no, there's, there's, well, there's a sunset of the ship going across and then it goes dark yeah it's night no, I can't remember what bit it is I think it's with yeah. it's like a bit where they kind of hide in sort of somewhere and it's in the cave and then yeah. they come out they cling on grab them out and it's like day oh yeah so. I think well the planet is is maybe it's not spinning correctly I mean yeah. there's this whole them writing them way out of like the fact that you know the plant's going to self-destruct and you know they need to make sure it doesn't work mm. you know they could have explained it properly in terms of the nebula being the why it's not working properly the matrix never intended to be Explain used it with science. well yeah it never intended to be used in that way exploded it in the middle of nowhere it needed to have a planet that's why this is kind of missing the building blocks potentially yeah. and that's why it's falling apart but for him just to say oh he cheated feels like a bad bit of writing and I don't like that it's, it's funny with this happening so soon after Khan and it also being about the Genesis thing it seems almost like well where were all these Klingons during the whole Khan thing if they knew about Genesis and they're suddenly right well, no 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 I mean it's like they got the information from somewhere didn't they That's the, we don't know where they came from they got the tape but it's, it's it, it, another thing is like that Admiral Kirk has re-recorded the Carol Marcus lines because she's not in this one right. exactly the same lines as the first film for the demonstration video and you know repeats the thing it's like we need to introduce this to a lifeless body or, pl- or planet <laughs> so it just it's just still there and they still haven't adequately explained why this planet like <laughs> seems to be are working at all um that seems bizarre that they've obviously got a plot error there and yeah. they're like oh we'll just repeat that not try and <laughs> sweep it under the car. yeah no it's like here's your chance to rewrite the script slightly and just say you know um yeah so for an hour 
Yeah, it's an hour and 28 minutes on the clock when the movie's effectively over. And yeah, then, it just kind of climaxes, and then the whole rest of the film is just slowly resurrecting Spock for like 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, and it's like this, uh, talking about like how um, Leonard Nimoy was the best director for this because he respects the Vulcan culture and mythology so much that he, he's winning, <laughs> like, show the, the, yeah, show the, uh, the culture so, you know, beautifully. It's like, it's just, it's just stupid, really. It's, just, it's not an interesting sequence. It's very kind of dull. It's got a great British actress like you know sort of probably doesn't know what she's doing there at all Dame Judith Anderson like who was in Rebecca for Hitchcock I think back in the day um, yeah seems a bit weird and it just it's not the climax you want for the film is well, it so that, the, the, but then it, you have the lovely final scene yeah well which that is eventual nice. reveal of Spock in that white cloak I was like this is Luke at the end of Force Awakens that's great the way he turns around yeah and yeah that's very true like, actually like, yeah. Star Trek did it first Star like, Trek did um, it first yeah. well I found it funny that when there's when Kirk and Spock starts talking to each other um, and they're kind of quoting lines back at each other that mm. they've said before yeah Obviously, Kirk manipulates what Spock said to him previously. And instead of what he says, he says, because the needs of the one outweigh the needs of the many. Yeah, like, instead of the sense. other way round. Yeah. And I'm like, there's a look on Spock's face. I'm sure he's like, that's not what I fucking said, Kirk. Like, you, well, it is. You, like, completely, <laughs> you, you completely misread. You, your own yeah. son is like, I mean, Spock's dad comes up to Kirk. And actually says, "Oh well, thank- it worth it? yeah." It says, thank- "Thanks a lot, mate, for like you know saving my son." Um, like he said, "But at what cost? Like your ship, your son, and like he's like, he's oh, like yeah. Spock's dad." It always yeah. seems to be saying to him, "Mate, he was my son, not yours. Like yeah. you, you yeah. just lost your fucking son. Yeah. You lost your ship. Spock's like, it wasn't I simply yeah. told you <laughs> and your career. Like, yeah. yeah, and your career. It wasn't worth it, mate. I wouldn't have done it." Yeah. <laughs> it's like you know but you started this like you came to my flat and told me I had to go do this it's like yeah. you didn't tell me how <laughs> he says if I hadn't tried the cost would have been my soul it's kind of like that's on you man. why is it it wasn't really your fault that Spock yeah. died well no and like, also it's not really tearing him up at all until yeah. Sarek turns up the film's trying to justify itself the yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like it's to the yeah. It doesn't outweigh. It like, literally reverses the statement from before just to make this entire mission have been worth. Although I must say that moment between uh, Kirk and Spock's father, despite the fact that it's kind of laughable in many ways, I do actually find really nicely played mm. and really nice done because it's a moment of respect between them after they. When they first they were a bit frosty, uh, yeah. 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 It's nice, it's a nice moment. And you know, you always get the sense that you Kurt really respects Sarek. He's you know, his ambassador, he dresses him very respectfully, doesn't mm. he? And I think mm. he kind of feels quite hurt that he would feel that he let his son down. Yeah, he says, like, I can't describe to you how much your son meant to me. Yeah, like yeah. And I suppose you know, that's exactly it, isn't it? It's, it's about the love between Kirk and Spock. And really, the sad reality is that his relationship with Spock would have been a lot deeper than his relationship with his own son, hmm. which is quite sad, really. Um, so, yeah, let's basically talk scores and hmm. wrap it up, because I think this is going to be a divisive one. Uh, I think we should start with you, Matt. Um God, there's so many strange little moments. There's like things I noted down, like the Klingons all have a mix of accents, but they all kind of sound the same when speaking Klingon. Uh, I quite like seeing Scotty on the bridge. It's good to see him there. Yeah. Um, the bit where Kirk appears on the screen on the Klingon ship and he does that amazing turnaround, that made me laugh. Well, but laugh. Well, you say it's amazing. I know what you mean, but it's, well, why? Uh, yeah, Alec Baldwin. What? Totally rocket the titles. Oh. 
He does one of those. Does he do that? Yeah. I, I, As I, if he's waiting for the camera, though. Like, well, it's a little bit of a plot hole as well, because like if you're trying to bluff, it's, it's a pretty bad bluff, this yeah. one, because if you're going to try and pretend your ship's actually working fine, you at least turn the TV on behind <laughs> you. Uh, and it's like this scramble, it's like, and it's like smoke and shit like that. It's like, quick, Scotty, paint that wall quickly, nice. <laughs> it just, yeah, it's, it's yeah. not a good bluff at all. It's like, yeah, I think we've fucked you up. Maybe. Yeah, Scotty has yeah. some nice moments in there. Go on, bro. Yeah. Um, the the effect with Spock aging, there's like a bit where it goes full on like oh, yeah, dummy, doesn't it? It goes really kind of yeah, bits of, yeah, bits, of bone, yeah. Uh, bits of bone sticking out. That bit where like a young Spock at one point does something, I think it's with um, what's the, what's uh, Savick. Savick with a hand. Yeah, what's it's Pon Far, like it's the rich, basically he's going to get laid at age 13. So that's how quickly he's going. But it doesn't make explicitly, but yeah. Oh, he's got to go through this now. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like, he's never made explicit, but like, there's the direction given to the actress at the end was uh, when when Spock walks past her, like, imagine you're on a subway train in New York and and some man that you've basically been intimate with years ago comes into your kind of zone, like your personal space, and you meet their eyes act that way and she like finds it really really hard to look him in the eyes I think because it's kind of a bit she knew she had to do have sex with him or something like that to kind of cool him down right. but she doesn't feel good about it because it's kind of almost the situation warranted it rather yeah. than her feelings yeah this is all I used to you definitely yeah. miss this yeah. yeah but I mean yeah I mean the whole thing I mean it's called the search for spot but it's not they know where he is they just go <laughs> to him um, he's like, a short like, search as well. Short, and then the rest of the film. They're picking up off spot. I thought they could have done a lot with him with the aging and sort of rebirth, but he's very kind of sidelined. Um, the whole thing kind of felt like just like a side mission, almost like another part of another film or the ending of a previous film or another TV app or a part two of a two parter, all these things. Um, there's some good cast moments, but you know, it almost undoes some good legwork from coming off of Khan. Um, with uh, the amount that some people just get up to, which doesn't doesn't seem to be much. There seems like a lot of focus on on like, the villains and a lot of the new cast. There's so many ships as well. You got the Excelsior and Grissom. Yeah, so there's a lot of kind of suddenly whole new crews that you know aren't the main focus, but they're all there. It felt like there was a long. Well, it's nice there. to finally see there's actually more Starfleet. Yeah, than Starfleet yeah. Because in the, every film up until this point, they've said you know the Enterprise is the only ship in the quadrant. It's like how big is Starfleet? <laughs> why are we sending this ship that's not it's ready a big deal out? Of Enterprise, yeah, 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 and you know, and there's also why send the ship the training crew to yeah. like an emergency situation? Yeah, so. It's nice to see an expanded Starfleet, yeah. And there yeah. we go. I mean, so. it felt like, um, yeah, like there was a good portion of time where we didn't really see anybody. It was kind of strange. Um, yeah, I just thought the whole thing felt a lot kind of cheaper, a lot kind of tackier, campier, and it, I, yeah, I wasn't really invested in in much because you know you, you pretty know you're going to get Spock back, and it felt like the stuff to get there wasn't enough. Um, I was, you know, I wasn't, as I said before, I wasn't that big a fan of the whole Kirk having a son from Khan, and now this, if that was a rushed kind of setup, which could have been in, could have led to some interesting things, this was kind of like a rushed ending. Mm. Both parts have good moments, but it felt like that's him. Like, was he practically an off screen death as well, almost? Like, you just kind of see bits and bobs during that. Yeah, end fight, laughable. Uh, climax way too early, didn't know what to do. 
fill in some holes and then that's that's it it's got so, that card Lord of the Rings Return the King ending effect doesn't it yeah where it's finished and they're like right but we've kind of got we've still got to wrap up yeah the whole reason we're here we've still got to yeah. do but all yeah. the stuff they've got to do isn't even that much it's mm-hmm. just it's just kind of time things up at least yeah. they didn't have a scene where Spock was waking up in bed <laughs> and then Kirk <laughs> and Scotty came and chopped up and down on the bed so what's your score Matt my score is a 4.4 4.4 that's the lowest score Mike we've had from any of us on these films yet wow. I saw you were you lowering or hiring uh, yes I was lowering but not by much <laughs> um, basically what I would say is the film's a mixed bag because the fact is I do object to it's just one big reset button, basically, because it's like the future too of like this program because it's having to write, you know, get itself out of something it's been written into from the previous. I film. will not hear a word against Back to the Future Part Two, but that is for another podcast. But uh, yeah, I kind of feel like yeah, the entire film is basically designed to we've got to bring Spot back. Uh, because Nimoy wants to come back now and because we can't really do Star Trek uh, without Spock um, so the, the, it's it's hard for me when you watch a film that's literally created just to do this one thing however mm. I really do feel like they cover it by being as big bombastic and operatic as possible in the score in the effects in the action um, in the characters in the like, emotion of the characters and you know what despite everything I really like it I think it's really fun for the most part I love the interactions between the characters and the relationships um, I think the everyone's kind of like on point with their performance. They've got to that point where it's the third film and they all really know what they're doing and there's a great relationship between the crew. I think it's the one where the, the best so far in terms of uh, the crew feeling really... Relaxed into it. Yeah, yeah exactly. And yeah. all working as a team. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just think it's a really fun film and I kind of think it overcomes a lot of its flaws uh, through some really great sequences um, you know like I said you've got the death of uh, Kurt's son you've got all the kind of space battles between them and the Klingons you've got the fight between uh, Kirk and uh, Doc Brown you've got the uh, ship heist and everything like that and and, uh, and the best bit is blowing out the Enterprise yeah and blowing out the Enterprise the as well which is, is fantastic part. And, uh, yeah, I actually think it's really enjoyable. Um, it only... I, I think I enjoy the film more than I give it credit for just simply because you can't help but be kind of brought down by the fact that it is all just a bit silly in terms of kind of, you know, it's just yeah. to bring Spot back. And, yes, they don't really do ever do enough with that conceit and it's all kind of just feels a bit kind of patched together. It reminded me of... Um, it was very comic book in the terms, and that's no slight on comic books. So I'm a huge comic book fan, but it, there's a big thing in superhero comics where they'll kill a character um, and they'll bring them back, and everyone kind of knows no character in comics is dead, and they're always going to bring them back in an elaborate way. And the, it, it's always a bit frustrating because you know, really, they just want them to 
basically come back, just walk back through the door and be alive. But they have to come up with an excuse of how they've survived. And that's how this mm. kind of felt. But like I say, I think overcomes it. I think it's really fun. I'm going to give it a 7.3. Well, that's a good, good score. Good score. Um, um, for me, yeah, there's the actual overall film has got very weak points in terms of overall plotting, pacing. And yeah, it feels quite slight, like in terms of, yeah, it, it is all just about one little thing. I quite agree with all that. But yeah, there are some bits that just are so good that, you know, it pertains to the characters and the, and the action, um, the special effects. A little bit comes together in some really sort of engaging sequences to me. The whole kind of stalking, the Klingons, where they're cloaked. And the, the you know the crew are just literally the crew by themselves operating the Enterprise. It's there's no crew, other central crew to worry about. It is just kind of like a little sort of adventure with the team, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know I love those bits. And when I put them all together, that's the most watchable part to me. Yeah. And I can forgive some of the flaws because I do enjoy this film. Yeah. But I but I gotta say. I watch this film and the Genesis planet explodes and then I turn it off. That's, I just don't watch the ending. Right. And, and that's not a good sign, is it? But you but did this time. I did this time, <laughs> of course. Yeah, like this is, you know, I, I didn't realise it ended on Vulcan. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, no, and uh, you got the adventure continues. Yeah, just it just is badly laid out. It's, it starts slow, ends slow. The middle section is great. That's it. So I'm going to give score. it 6.3. 6.3 okay so yeah we're a bit all over the place with this one yeah, uh, really but we, but we all kind of agree on some aspects yes. of it yeah yeah, yeah. and I think I don't agree it's fun at all I think <laughs> that's the thing is that we all agree on kind of what probably are a lot of the bad aspects yeah. of it but you know we find it enjoyable to varying degrees yeah uh, but that's it for Search the Spock next time we'll be coming back to see the adventure continue in Star Trek 4 oh, The Voyage ends. Home uh, which was also directed by Leonard Nimoy he returned after the massive success yeah. of Search for Spock of course how could they not want him back Matt do you not think they'd be demanding well, literally driving loads of money you're right buddy you got things back on track as in not back you fulfilled your contractual obligation as in uh, got the team back together now go do something with it. So I should mention. Yeah, it is, it's hit the reset button. We can yeah. finally have an adventure. This film is one big reset button. And it's and unnecessary. I should mention that when they went to Nimoy after Rafa Khan and said, "Would you like to be in Star Trek 3 He said, "You're damn right. I want to direct that picture." Listen to that enthusiasm, bruv. And don't you think that came across in this in your 7.3 <laughs> rated yeah. movie? Um, next time, we'll be joined by our first special guest. Special, right. special guest. Uh, Adam Johnston, who scored our theme tune, uh, which I'm sure you think is absolutely wonderful, as we do. Uh, and he'll be joining us to talk about Voyage Home because he's told me uh, it's one of his favourite Star Trek films. Yeah. So that's a recommendation straight away. You had no one, you could find no one where this was their favourite. Wow, wow, no. That's Spock, nobody's favourite Star Trek. No, I think, it, I think people might, if they were young when this came out and this was the first one they saw in the cinema, I think they, there's probably a lot of nostalgia with this film more than there is, you know, nostalgia about it over amps, like, you know, you have negative feelings about something sometimes if it's the first one you saw. It's the only one you saw. Well, no, yeah, well, you know, yeah, I mean, you saw, you, you have seen Star Trek 3 before. And you've completely forgotten it. But I remember... Uh, yes. Well, no, clearly. I forgot to mention. I don't think I had. The bit I remember is you just them saw firing, firing out 
Kirk's coffin, and that happens at the end of Khan's. Well, Kirk's coffin, coffin. yeah, no. yeah. Coffin. I don't think you watched either of these before. No. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's it. Um, come back next time. Yeah, as to always. Voyage home. As always, you can uh, send us a message at spotlightpod at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at spotlightpod. All of the millions of search for Spock fans, please write in to Matt Brothers, abusing <laughs> yeah. him for yeah. his disgusting treatment yeah. of this masterpiece. Oh. Is it going to get better or worse? We'll see. <laughs> we shall see. See you next time. I've been Paul Wilson. I've been Liam Dempsey. I've been Matt Brothers. Farewell. If you enjoyed this episode of Spotlight and wish to support us, you can rate, review and subscribe on iTunes, like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter at SpotlightPod. You can also get in touch and drop us a message directly by emailing spotlightpod at gmail.com.